0: As we begin to worship God in hearing of his word, please turn to the book of Peter, 1 Peter, and chapter 1. 1 Peter and chapter 1. I'll read verses 10 through 12. And Peter says as to this salvation the prophets prophesied of the grace that would come to you they made careful search and inquiry seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This morning, we want to look at the incarnation, the birth, the life, the ministry, resurrection, death of Christ, resurrection of Jesus, we want to look at it from a certain perspective. We want to see it from the perspective of the angels in heaven and to see what the angels saw as they came and behold, beheld the great work of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. In these verses, Peter increases the appreciation of his readers for the great salvation that has been given to them. He reminds them that everything that has been accomplished in Jesus Christ was predicted by the Old Testament prophets. And they spoke of the sufferings and the glory of Jesus that would follow. And as the prophets wrote, the angels in heaven, they looked down from heaven upon all that the prophets had said, concerning the sufferings and the glory of Jesus. And this is what we read of here at the end of verse 12. Peter says that these things in the gospel, these were things into which angels long to look. The angels in heaven, they desire to know more of the wonder and the glory of what God has done with our Lord Jesus Christ. The angels are the mighty supernatural beings And they surround the throne of God. They perform his word. They obey his voice. They are sent out from heaven as ministering spirits to aid and service the people of God. It has always been so through Old and New Testament times. When Jacob had his dream back in the book of Genesis, he saw a ladder that was set on earth with its top-reaching To heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. The angels in heaven are holy beings. They have no sin, they have no need of any salvation, and they will never experience salvation for themselves. But they have great interest in it, and they look down and wonder concerning it because they know that. God's work of salvation of men on earth is the most glorious of all of His works, and they yearn to understand more of it. So this morning, we want to see the work of Jesus from the perspective of the angels and the role they played in it, because we can say that the work of Jesus, the work of salvation, it was not done without the angels. And they came from heaven, from the throne of God, to play their role, to minister to Christ. And so as we trace this out this morning, the work of the angels in the life of Jesus, the first thing that we want to see is that the angels worship Christ in his pre-incarnate glory. The, the angels worship Christ in his pre-incarnate glory. And we'll see that in the book of Isaiah. We turn back in our Bibles to the book of Isaiah and chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. We'll be looking at a number of passages this morning. This is the only one from the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 1 through 3. And this is where the story of the angels really begins. And the story of the angels is the story of the Lord Jesus. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. In the year of King Uzziah's death, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so this is where the story of the angels begins. It begins with Jesus upon his throne in his pre-incarnate glory here in this vision that Isaiah saw. John refers to this vision of Isaiah in John chapter 12. And so he confirms to us that this was Jesus upon the throne of heaven and his pre-incarnate glory before he came into this world. We see here that he is seated upon a throne as a great king. His throne is a place of power and authority and honor. He is seated as the divine king. He is high and lofty and exalted, a throne of inconceivable glory, and it is far above in the world of heaven. The psalmist tells us in different places that he clothes himself with splendor and with majesty and with glory. And Isaiah tells us here at the end of verse 1 that the train of his robe was filling the temple filling the temple so that no one could stand in his presence in that temple. In verse 2, he speaks of the angels who are called here the seraphim, the burning ones, as they fly about his throne. And each of the seraphim have six wings, and with two they cover their faces, Because they are so overwhelmed by the consuming brightness of Jesus in his glory that they cannot endure to look upon his holiness. They are filled with amazement. They have no sin in themselves to be ashamed of, but they sense their own insignificance before his greatness. And they must bow themselves, they must show their humility before him. They cover their faces with two wings, they cover their feet. And with two wings, they are prepared to fly and do his will. Before he came into the world, this is what the angels knew of Jesus. From the moment that they were brought into existence, this is what they saw of him. He was lofty, exalted upon his throne in indescribable glory. And they sang of him, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And they had seen his holiness in action when some of their fellow angels Satan and his evil angels decided to rebel against him as the king of glory. And they were cast out of heaven into the outer darkness. And those angels, those holy angels must have trembled as they saw the rebellion of their fellow angels and the holiness of God demonstrated in their being cast out from heaven. They continue now to sing his song of his holiness. Then they rejoiced to see the creation of God in this universe as God spoke and it was done. And he commanded and everything came into being, the heavens and the earth and the glory, the beauty, the order of all things in this present world. And they rejoiced to see the wisdom, the power, the goodness of God in all of the creation. And then God came to the highest of his creative works, which was the man and the woman. And they were made in his own image in the Garden of Eden. Not even the angels in heaven could say that they were made in the image of God. And God showed his generosity to them. His great kindness and care for them brought them into the garden of Eden and gave them to eat from every tree of the garden except for that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But despite all of the generosity of God to them, they turned from him and they disobeyed his commandment. And what must the angels in heaven have thought? As the image bearers of God were in the garden trying to find some leaves of the trees of the garden to cover their guilt and to hide their shame. But then sin spread from them to the entire human race so that by the time of Noah it could be said that the earth was filled with violence and it was corrupt and the Lord was sorry that he had made man upon the earth and he was grieved in his heart. But the angels were amazed. The angels were amazed because God did not cast off the human race. As he had done with the evil angels. But God began to make a way of salvation. And to rescue men from the guilt and the power of their sin. And he desired men to be saved. And so what we have at different points in the Bible is what we call these inner inner Trinitarian conversations between the three persons of the Trinity as they devise their plan of salvation and they agree with one another as to how the work will be done. How much the angels heard of those conversations, we do not know. They are given to us in the Bible. But the work of salvation, the Father planned salvation. The Son came into the world and accomplished salvation. And the Holy Spirit now comes to apply that salvation to his people. And the central work of salvation was focused on the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, that he would come into the world and he would become a man. And he would accomplish the work that men need for their salvation. And the second thing that we come to this morning is that the angels announce the incarnation of Jesus. The angel announces the incarnation of Christ. We see this back in the passage that we read earlier, back in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1. We read this passage earlier in verse 26, the angel Gabriel is sent from God in heaven to Nazareth. In Verse 27, he is sent to a virgin whose name is Mary, and he announces that Mary is under the favor and the grace of God to her. And then he announces what will soon happen to her in verse thirty he says do not be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him jesus he will be great he will be called the son of the most high and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end So the angel here announces some remarkable things to this obscure and unknown virgin, Mary, that she will have a son, that it will be a supernatural birth. He will be conceived in her womb, and he will have no human father. The name that is given to him will be Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And he will be no mere human child alone. He will have a divine title. He will be called the Son of God, the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him this glorious throne, and his kingdom will have no end. The promises that are spoken here by the angel are those promises that we read of back in Isaiah chapter 9. A child will be born to us, a son will be given and the government will rest upon his shoulders. They are now all coming to pass. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. In verse 34, Mary was puzzled by this announcement of the angel, and she said to him in verse 34, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And Gabriel answered her in verse 35, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Gabriel handled Mary's question with much reverence and he hides details of how it should take place because it would be beyond her capacity to ever comprehend such a glorious work of the Savior. And we could say that this work of the Savior is the incarnation, is beyond the capacity even of the angels of heaven to ever comprehend what is taking place here. He tells her only two things. Who will perform the work? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High, it will be a work of omnipotence. And the Holy Spirit will conceive in your womb the Son of God. And he will be united to human nature in your womb. And the offspring will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And it was at this moment that the conception of Mary took place. The Holy Spirit conceived in her womb in this most astonishing work. God was now united to human nature forever. The highest of all of God's wonders has now been accomplished in the womb of Mary. God and man are now united forever. In one person, Jesus Christ, the word has become flesh and dwelt among us. And everything needed for salvation will be accomplished by him. We see down in verse 37 that the angel closes his message with this announcement, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then the angel Gabriel in verse 38, he departed from Mary and returned back up into heaven. The circumstances of Jesus' birth in this world, they were all sovereignly chosen by God. He was not born in a king's palace with halls of marble, with royalty and great wealth. He did not come into this world surrounded by the comforts and the pleasures of men But his first coming into the world was one of humiliation. And God chose to send him through this birth, this supernatural conception, to an obscure, through an obscure virgin who knew only poverty herself. The rest of the angels in heaven, they looked down from their throne And now they saw him whom they had worshipped in eternity. He had become a man in the womb of the Virgin Mary. The next thing we see in regard to the story of the angels is that they celebrate the birth of Christ. And this we find in chapter 2 of Luke's gospel. In chapter 2, And I'll read in verses 8 through 14. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared the mul- a multitude, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. The baby baby Jesus is here brought into the world. And at first, this one angel comes down from heaven to announce his birth. And the angel was sent to announce his birth, not to the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders in Jerusalem. And he was not sent to nobles or princes or kings, He was sent to some lowly shepherds who were watching over their fields, their flocks by night. And the angel knew what the birth of Christ would mean. In verse 10, it was good news. It was great joy for all the people because a savior has come into the world to rescue them from their greatest dilemma, which is sin and its guilt, and its power. He is Christ the Lord, who is anointed by God for this great work. The joy of the angel, the one angel, is suddenly met now by the joy of a great multitude. They must come down from heaven and celebrate with him and rejoice with him, and they join in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. The angels, they seem to know the misery of the human race and what sin has done to us all and the terrible conflict, the terrible condition that it has brought all of us into and we need, each one of us, we have desperate need of a savior, one who will come with supernatural power One who is a divine savior who comes down from heaven. He is God. He is man. He is the only one who can bring us back to God. He is the only one who can be the mediator between us. And the angels announce here that Jesus is that savior. And they know that he will not fail at his great work. His salvation is certain And they rejoice at the prospect of it that many lost sinners will be brought back into heaven and he will bring true and lasting peace between men on earth and the God of heaven. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. In verse 15, it came about when the angels had gone away from them Into heaven. The angels now had come down to announce the birth of Christ. Now they ascend back into heaven to the throne of God from which they had come. But the Son of God now was united to the human nature, and he is now Jesus the man from the God, the Son of Man, united to the man Jesus. And he is in the world now, and it is a world of very great danger and peril. And his life is in constant danger. He has come into the kingdom of darkness, this world that is ruled by the evil one. And there are evil men who seek to destroy him. And the angels have the great role of preserving the earthly life of Jesus. And Matthew, in his gospel, tells us about this, that the Magi came from the east to worship him. And they said, the scribes said, he will be born in Bethlehem. And Herod said, go and find him, and I will worship him. When they do not return, when the Magi do not return, Herod becomes enraged, and he orders the male children, two years and younger in Bethlehem, to be put to death the angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream and told him, Arise and take the child with his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. And then when Herod was dead, the angel came again and told him to go back into Israel. And the angels were watching over the early life of Jesus and guarding him from the dangers of this world. How much the angels understood of the salvation that he would accomplish at this point, we do not know. But they had great interest in what he would do. And they looked down from heaven and they were following greatly, closely the things of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. They celebrated his birth and then Jesus entered his public ministry. And now we see that the angels continue to minister to Jesus in his earthly life. We see this in Matthew chapter 4. We'll turn in our Gospels to, in our Bibles, to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 4. The chapter begins with the temptation of Jesus. Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. The devil then came and tempted him three times and each time Jesus resists the devil's temptation with the word of God. And we read here after the three temptations in verse 11. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. It seems that during his temptations, the angels were kept at a distance from him. They gave him no aid while he endured those temptations because he must pass through them as a man alone. He must have victory where Adam had fallen into sin. Now the victory is won. And the angels quickly come and begin to minister to him. Forty days of fasting, and then the temptations of the devil, the son of God as a man, was in weariness and in great need, and no doubt in need of food. And perhaps like had happened with Elijah, when he laid down and slept under the juniper tree, the angel came And told him to arise and gave him bread and water to eat. The angels are ministering now to Jesus that he might have strength and encouragement to continue on his great work. He has just endured the powers of the kingdom of darkness and the temptations of Satan against him. He has just come out of combat with the powers of the evil one, and the angels now come to minister to him and to encourage him and strengthen him for his great work. We see in the second temptation, in verses 6 and following, the temptation was, if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down. Jesus, the, rather the devil, quoted from Psalm 91 For it is written, he will give his angels charge concerning you. But Jesus refused to call on the angels to come and minister to him at that time, because he must endure these temptations and submit to the will of his heavenly Father. And only the Father could send the angels to him in the proper times to help him and strengthen him. The devil left him, the angels came now and began to minister to him. And so Jesus now spent the next three and a half years of his life in this public ministry, going about Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease, and every kind of sickness, opening the eyes of the blind, unstopping the ears of the deaf, raising paralytics, cleansing lepers, John sums up his ministry and says that we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The only holy life that was ever lived on earth. The holy offspring had now it was now accomplishing the will of his heavenly father. And the father could speak from heaven from time to time and say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But throughout all of this time of his earthly life, the angels in heaven, they were looking down. And at various times they were sent down to strengthen him as they did here. And they were learning more of the glory of the Son of God and his great work of salvation in everything that he would accomplish. But the next time that we read of the angels ministering to him in this way is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. The Gospel of Luke and chapter 22. In the early part of the chapter, Jesus has the Last Supper with his disciples. And then he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. And we read in verses 39 down through verse 42. And he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. Verse 40. And when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but thine be done. So Jesus here enters into the garden of Gethsemane. He left his disciples Behind, he went further into the garden and he fell down upon his face and began to pray. And his prayer was concerning a cup. And it was a cup that the Father was giving to him. And he was asking his Father in heaven that if it is possible that this cup would be removed from him. But he says, Not my will but thine be done. What is the cup that Jesus speaks of here in the Garden of Gethsemane? It is the cup of the Father's wrath against man's sin. It is a cup that is filled to the brim with the burning anger of God against human sin. It is a cup that has no mercy mixed with it. It is a cup that is unrelieved By any pity, it is a cup of the full fury and the holiness of God against man's sin that man deserves. The righteous judgment of God against sin. This is the cup that Jesus speaks of. And he must now, he knows, go to the cross and he must bear, he must drink down to the last dregs all of God's judgment that is in that cup. He looks into it now. He sees what it is. And such agony enters his soul that the gospel writers tell us that he was on the edge of death as he entered the garden. And he cried to his heavenly father three times, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me. But the Father could not remove this cup because this was the whole reason he came into the world. This was the reason of his incarnation, that he had come to take away the penalty of human sin, that he had come to give his life a ransom for sinners so that the death that we deserve would be taken away by him, and we would be those who enter in, those who believe into eternal life. We read now of the angel in verse 30 43. This is what we read. Luke tells us now, at this time, an angel, an angel from heaven appeared to him. For what purpose? Strengthening him. An angel comes down from heaven. And the angel's mission here was to strengthen Jesus. To strengthen him so that he could endure and go to the cross. Not for his ease. The angel comes not to comfort him. Not to alleviate his sufferings or to remove them. But the angel comes to strengthen him and to uphold his human frailty, that he might endure the judgment of God at the cross. A single angel comes to him here. Not a multitude of angels like at his birth, but a single angel, just enough strength that he would continue to the cross. Which angel was sent and we are not told but what must all the angels in heaven and especially this single angel that was sent have thought as he is on this mission to strengthen the son of God in the garden of Gethsemane the omnipotent one whom they had worshiped from all eternity. He now lies weak, helpless in the garden of Gethsemane, prostrate in great agony. And now an angel must come to strengthen him. The one whom the angels had worshiped in eternity. They must now come, one must come now to minister to him. They are sent out, they have been sent out to minister and to give aid to those who will inherit salvation. But now one of them is sent to minister to the Son of God. In his agony in the garden, And then we read in the next verse and being in agony and not being in comfort, being in agony, in continued agony. He was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. His sufferings now only became worse so much more that his blood was like his sweat was with blood falling down upon the ground. And this shows us the true nature of the sufferings of Jesus for human sin. There was not a single hand that was laid upon him here in the garden, and yet he was in such great agony that his sweat became like drops of blood upon the ground because it was the inward wrath of God that was beginning to come down upon his soul. His sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. The angel is sent to strengthen him to endure the cross. The Father has always granted to Jesus, the Son of God, the Father has always granted to him every request that he has ever made. But now the angels see something that they have never seen before. The request of the Son of God here is denied. The Father cannot take this cup away because it is the only way that sinners can be saved. And the Father's plan of salvation be accomplished. And so now the Son of God rises from the Garden of Gethsemane. The silence of the Father is his answer. He must go to the cross. And Jesus proceeds. He is arrested by the Roman soldiers, he is brutally beaten through the night. After a mock trial by Pilate, he was sentenced to death by crucifixion. And they stripped him of his clothing. They hung him upon a cross in a public execution. His disciples abandoned him. The angry crowd surrounded him and railed against him. And as he hung upon the cross, he felt the abandonment of his own father in heaven as he experienced the judgment of God against human sin. And he cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The angels knew the Father's love for his beloved Son. The angels knew that the Father had delighted and rejoiced in his Son in the fellowship and in the communion between the Father and the Son. The Father loved the Son from eternity and said, this is my beloved Son in whom my soul delights. But now, The Son of God cries from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What must the angels have said? How has this possibly taken place? They had covered their faces before him on his throne in heaven. Now they hear his cry from the cross in agony. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He hangs alone upon a cross. There are no disciples there to cheer him, and there are no angels now here to strengthen him, because he must endure the wrath of God for human sin in himself alone. And the cross, the meaning of the cross is summarized in so many verses in the Bible. That he who knew no sin came to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquity. All of us like sheep have gone astray and each one of us has turned to his own way But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. So the baby in the manger was now hanging on a cross. And that was the purpose of his coming into the world. The glorious incarnation of the Son of God was now coming to its final purpose and accomplishment And Jesus cried from the cross, It is finished. And everything that the Father had desired was done. He was taken down from the cross, he was laid in a tomb, and then he was raised from the dead. The next thing we see of the angels is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. Verse 1, I'll begin reading through verse 7. He says, Now after the Sabbath, it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his garment as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. Just as he said, Come, see the place where he was lying. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee, There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. The third day after his crucifixion, he was raised from the dead. And this angel comes down from heaven. And this angel had the privilege of rolling away the stone and seeing the resurrected Christ from that tomb. A severe earthquake took place. The Lord descended rolled away, the the angel of the Lord descended, rolled away the stone and sat upon it. The first to know of the resurrection of Jesus were the angels in heaven. And the angel is sent now to announce it to Mary Magdalene. And he comes to announce it, that he who is dead is now alive. He is not here anymore in this tomb. He is risen from the dead. Come see the place where he is lying. He is not there anymore. And the angel sends them away to tell the other disciples of the risen Christ. They rejoiced at his birth. They rejoice now even more at his death. And they celebrate him. The angel strengthened him in the garden. Here we read of a single angel who came down and rolled away the stone. Could it be the same angel that strengthened him in the garden in his weakness and in his agony now comes and rolls away the stone after his great victory and his triumph over sin and death and Satan? And then what happens in Acts chapter 1, the next time we see the angels, we will not turn there, but there are two angels who come down from heaven. The disciples gaze up into the sky. The two angels appear like men in clothing. And they said to, to the disciples, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, he will come in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven. And then Jesus ascends into heaven in Psalm 47. He is escorted through the the heavens by the angel, and then he arrives outside the gates of heaven, and the scene is described for us in Psalm 24. The angels outside who have escorted Christ into the heavenly place, they make request for the gates of heaven to be opened. They say, lift up your gates, your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And the angels inside say, who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And they request again for the gates to be lifted up. And the response is, who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. It is all part of the celebration of the angels in heaven that the Son of God has come and accomplished all the work of the Heavenly Father. He has conquered sin by his cross. He has conquered death by his resurrection. And he has conquered and destroyed Satan's power ultimately in this world. And then Jesus enters heaven, and we see the angels one last time here this morning in the book of Revelation, chapter 5. We'll turn to Revelation, chapter 5, and verses 11 and 12. And now the angels worship Christ again on his throne in heaven. John says in verse 11, And I looked and beheld the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. We have come full circle. The angels once worshiped him in Isaiah chapter six in his pre-incarnate glory, but now they worship him in his ascended glory in heaven. And here they worship him as the lamb of God that was slain. And he is triumphant and he is victorious It is not just the angels who worship him here, but it is all the saints in heaven and all the souls of those who have been made perfect because they have believed on Jesus Christ in this present world and they have gone to be with him in heaven. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing And that will be the song of the saints forever and ever in heaven. There is only one more work of the angels. And it will be when he comes again from heaven. Jesus spoke of this himself. He said the son of man will come in his glory. With all the angels of God with him. And he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before them before him, and every eye will see him. And everyone will know who he is. He has come in the glory of his Father, with his holy angels, and his holy angels will go to the four corners of the earth, and they will gather in all of his elect. And all who have believed in the Lord Jesus. And they will bring all of them into his eternal kingdom. But for those who have not believed and have not followed Jesus. They will be cast out. They will be cast out into the furnace of fire with the devil and his angels. And the Apostle Paul tells us that when Christ descends with the shout of the archangel, he will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire to judge those who have not believed in our Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one Savior of sinners, the one who came down from heaven and became incarnate in the womb of Mary the one who lived a perfect and holy life, the one who hung upon a cross to take away human sin. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and he takes away the sins of everyone who comes to him to believe. And so our only hope, my only hope and your only hope this morning is to know the Lord Jesus Christ by faith according to his word believing in him for the cleansing of my sins and your sins the blood of Jesus is the only hope to cleanse away our sins and to prepare us to meet him in the end there is no other way of salvation the angels long to learn more of him and that should be And it is the desire of every true Christian to know him and love him and follow him more. So the story of the angels is the story of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And may you come to know him today. Let's pray together. Father and gracious God in heaven, you have been full of mercy and kindness to us, that you have sent your beloved Son into this world to do such glorious things for the likes of us. We have nothing that we can offer. We have nothing that we can bring that can make us worthy of your great mercy and love. And yet you have loved us and you have accomplished this great work of salvation in your beloved Son. Bless your word to us, we pray. May every one of us here today know Jesus Christ as the only Savior, and may we find peace, and may we find comfort and hope and the cleansing of all of our sins in him. Bless your word to us. May it become to each one of us the words of eternal life. And we thank you now and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.